Welcome to Diet Culture Dropout. Hi, I'm Athena Brown, a non-diet and body-inclusive registered dietitian, a certified intuitive eating counselor, yoga teacher, and a mom of two strong-willed daughters. I'm also the owner of Peacefully Nourished, which is a nutrition counseling business in Kawartha Lakes, Ontario. This podcast is a safe space for exploration, mindful moments, and take-home practices for anyone looking to find food peace and body liberation, while also helping to support parents and caregivers change the narrative for our kids so they can raise body-positive, intuitive eaters. By dropping out of diet culture, we can together celebrate all bodies, work towards dismantling weight stigma, and stop the transgenerational trauma of body shame and dieting. I'm so happy you're here. Together, we can make a difference. Please remember while you listen that this is for education purposes only and does not replace medical advice from your primary care provider, therapist, or registered dietitian. Thanks for being here. Welcome back to Diet Culture Dropout. I wanted to just share today about defining diet culture and a little bit more about why I started this podcast. So I really started it to become a resource to help inspire others so we can all collectively take down and disrupt diet culture. Diet culture is real loud. It's toxic, and it has really seeped into all facets of our lives. And podcasting is really a great platform to connect like-minded souls, share really important conversations, and provide access, especially for all, um, to experts from all over the world, and really develop that sense of community despite the boundaries provinces, countries that we live within. So I just wanted to say, no matter where you are in this journey, you're not alone. Navigating this body-obsessed world is difficult. And it is possible to build and sustain a healthy relationship with food and your body. Because really in life, we all just want to be fulfilled, loved, and share meaningful experiences with others. So today I thought I'd start my second episode off by defining what diet culture is, as well as why I'm proposing for people to drop out of diet culture. So we'll start by defining it. So I pieced together various people's work um, with trying to pinpoint a definition. So here it goes. So it's a system structures that promote a set of beliefs that worship thinness and equate thinness with health and moral virtue. It assumes that eating in a certain way will result in the air quoting correct body size, if that's even a thing, and good health, while also assuming that it is attainable for any body who has the right willpower and the right determination. It encourages us to follow external rules 
about what to eat, when to eat, and how much. It suggests and perceives movement, exercise as punishment or to be done to prevent being fat rather than using it as a tool for other reasons. Diet culture creates thin privilege, which makes thinness the gatekeeper for jobs, benefits, comfort, accommodation in this world that we live within. And lastly, diet culture views fat people as less valuable and more risky. So, it, like I said at the beginning, it really is seeped into a lot of areas of our life. So I just had some examples here um, that may be things that come up for people in their lives. So being stuck in a thinking style where you're perceiving foods as good or bad foods. Chronic dieting a.k.a. following a meal plan, wellness diet, a system that dictates what you eat and how much. Maybe it's a point system. That's diet culture. Having a body size target or a very specific weight goal that maybe you're weighing yourself daily. And once you do those weights, you're really manipulating, changing how you're feeding yourself and moving in the day, manipulating your exercise based on what you did eat or maybe what you have not eaten yet in the day. It could be purposefully skipping meals to save points. That's diet culture. It could be conversations among friends at dinner. You know, that saying that I hate, a moment on the lips, forever on the hips, or bringing, or sorry, not bringing, or commending, congratulating your best friend for their recent weight loss journey. That is diet culture. It could be in the Barbies or the princess dolls that you find your kids playing with, influencing their perception on what an ideal body should look like. And of course, this often looks like thin, Long legs, very small waist, massive chest, and usually blonde hair, perfect makeup, and flawless white skin. It's found in the Lululemon founder saying that it's a problem for women's thighs to touch. That's diet culture. It's following an inf- influencer that promotes juicing, appetite suppressant tips, or food elimination diets to fix your body. It's maybe reaching and purchasing, supporting that low fat, low sugar, one point yogurt in the grocery store. And again, it's that unattainable and rigid Western white beauty ideals. Dye culture creates this idea and reinforces it at every turn that you have to be thin in order to be successful, accepted, loved, and healthy. All of these things are just understandable human desires. So this industry is really built on shame and dishonesty, which is a really smart business model because it's a never-ending loop. There's 
always going to be clientele. Research shows that diets fail 95 to 98% of the time. And everyone that engages in this thinks that they'll be that two to 5%, the continuous repeat customers. So to put this into perspective, I thought of some fun examples. So would you buy a phone that worked 5% of the time or use an oven or microwave to cook or heat your food that had a 5% chance of working that day? Would you rely on a car that worked only 5% of the time? Or what about taking a medication that was effective 5% of the time to manage your diabetes, your blood pressure, or minimize the infection you have growing in your foot? Hell no, you wouldn't. These things would not even be approved or be safe. Doctors, pharmacists would not legally be able to write prescriptions for a medication that had a 5% effective rate at curing whatever the issue is. Yet here we are. Here we are, everyone. (laughs) Insert any diet name you would like to challenge. They package it up with a shiny bow, have all of these before and after photos, have all of this talk about how fabulous your life will be. And they, you know, package it up every season with a new hip name. And it's really the same thing over and over and over again. They have built this system on shame. And this gets directed inwards at the person seeking the help. When they fail, when they're that 95 to 98% of people that fail on these diets, who do they blame? They don't blame these multi-billion dollar companies. They blame themselves every single time. So my friend, you did not fail. The diet failed you. So why, why is diet, diet culture a problem? Well, for first off, it takes your money and a lot of your money. It's a $72 billion industry. And as a side note, if you're a feminist or interested in who the usual type of these CEOs of these most popular diet and weight loss programs are, they're nine out of 10 times a thin white man. Classic. Why else is diet culture a problem? Well, it feeds us lies and then we blame ourselves. It promotes and normalizes disordered eating behaviors. It most definitely contributes to developing eating disorders, which for every age group, ethnicity, race, gender, sex, it's eating disorders are on the rise for. It makes you feel inadequate when it fails, which worsens your mental health. It causes weight cycling, which has been proven through so much research that worsens our health outcomes on every measure, every level. And it ultimately oppresses people. The people who do not match up this ideal or this thin ideal, it is a system of oppression. And the people that 
can't afford the superfoods or the expensive systems, the people whose bodies will never shrink, or for the people who don't have access to the same privileges others live within. That's what I have a problem with. So why do we find it so hard to break up with it? Well, first off, it is so normalized. We live in a society that praises disordered eating. And it's hard for some people to even begin to recognize that their food and exercise obsessions are unhealthy or that they are taking up too much mental capacity because it's become so normalized. It's very common for that thinking style to be watching what you're eating or to exercise because I have a wedding coming up or a family vacation or a family reunion or maybe a TV appearance that's coming up. We live in this society that complements people's bodies, especially when we lose weight or change our body shape. And we don't at all find this inappropriate, which in many cases, we are usually complimenting each other for their disordered eating behaviors or feeding into this cycle. And then there are so many layers of transgenerational dieting that it's just become so normalized, part of the household family structure and way of life. Think about it. Did you have a parent that dieted? An aunt, an uncle, a cousin, a sibling, a grandparent? Dieting being going on a classic diet that we usually think of. Maybe it was taking pills. Maybe it was doing a fast, joining Weight Watchers, calorie counting, ordering some kind of meal system, drinking shakes, skipping meals, etc., etc., etc. Most people have at least one family member that this is happening to, whether currently or historically. And at the time I'm recording this, this is 2021, and the new latest form of diet culture and how they're packaging it now is called the wellness diet, the wellness trends. And it's really taking the focus off of, you know, classic dieting in the sense that people are getting a little bit more smart with, okay, that's a diet, but now they're promoting it as I'm doing it for my health, right? Insert clean eating, cleanses, elimination diets, superfoods, eating for your gut, detoxes, etc. It's marketed for your health with a side of weight loss, of course. This is still about shrinking your body, perfecting the body you are in to fit this ideal, a thin ideal. So there is still restriction. There is still external cues telling you what you should be doing, eating, exercising, etc. 
So they're getting really sneaky. They're getting really creative with their marketing, with their language, and they're making it about health. So people have this, you know, shame plus the guilt of, well, if I don't do this, then my health is going to fail. Again, shame is in the equation. So what do we do about it? How can we combat such a mega huge industry? Well, if you're like me, you can get real mad and talk about it. Maybe it's starting to look with curiosity in areas that it's maybe showing up for you in your life. And I can't encourage enough to do this with a non-judgmental lens. It's okay if you've engaged in these behaviors, or maybe you currently are. It makes complete sense why you would, because we all want to assimilate. We all want to be connected and we are all sorry, swimming in this soup of diet culture. Another way could be calling it out when you see it, or maybe it's calling it out when you hear it, calling it out when you have a thought and maybe really questioning, you know, where, where did that thought come from? And again, really trying to do it non-judgmentally. Okay. The more we can practice calling it out when we see it, when we hear it, when we think it, we will become more conscious and I call it our diet culture detector muscle will strengthen every time. So just like that, how many times we've practiced normalizing it, it's going to take, you know, the same amount of attempts to kind of recognize it. So that's one way. Maybe it's sharing this podcast episode or having a conversation with your partner and friend about this. Maybe this is something you've never considered or had a discussion about. Go for it. I, um, I share with my husband, obviously, a lot about, you know, what I do, what I believe in, and what I like promoting. And he hears a lot of chatter, lots of chatter from me about diet culture and me getting angry about things. And I just find it so validating. And I secretly get so excited when he too starts doing this with me. So recently... COVID. We've been Netflixing a lot, watching, you know, movies or favorite TV shows. And we'll notice when we're watching something and he'll call it, it's like, oh, there it is. Diet culture. When something comes up and it, you know, it's, it makes me really happy. (laughs) Um, in our household too, we're also more mindful about what toys our kids are playing with. You know, what are those Barbies and those messages of those bodies that they're seeing? What books are we letting them read? There's actually been several books that I have to change the words or we get rid of because they're so inappropriate. They're talking about good foods and bad foods. Um, So we just, we're more mindful of that. Um, As well as how we talk about bodies in our house. And, you know, when there's maybe some diet culture spilling over from a family member or, you know, a well-meaning neighbor or whoever, 
We are also really trying to be conscious of clarifying mixed messages for them. So they're not confused about what happens in our house around diet culture. And for a lot of this stuff, it's starting small and slowly building your immunity. It takes time and it also takes mental capacity. So by no means am I saying every single time you need to put up your dukes and fight diet culture or to have that challenging conversation with that aunt who is just so into whatever the diet is. You know, sometimes we need to just turn away, maybe walk away, change the subject, you know, more less confronting ways of talking about diet culture. And when we have the energy, maybe it's starting those conversations. It could be, you know, who we're following on social media, diversifying your feed. So you see body diversity. Do you follow any people, let's say on Instagram right now that live in fat bodies? If not, there are so many suggestions that I can provide or suggest that are amazing people that do amazing work. You know, maybe it's deleting people that are spreading toxic diet culture messages or people that you follow that make you feel bad about your body. That's such a small thing that really seeps into our subconscious mind of, you know, the messages we see every single day. And lastly, maybe it's getting support from a non-diet health at every size informed registered dietitian or counselor. If you need help in finding one, I would love to help you. There are lots and lots of people across Canada, the States, in Australia I have contacts with that are like-minded people in this community. So this podcast is also here for you too. And having these conversations at times can be really challenging, can be really triggering and can be really emotional. So it, it takes time and it takes patience and it takes practice because what we're facing again is that $72 billion industry. You know, they hire extremely, the best marketers, psychologists to run their ad campaigns and make us feel what we feel when we see them. So I'm so happy you're here and you're listening and I can't wait to interview other people, hear their stories about how diet culture comes up for them, how they dropped out of it and really what their perspective, their tips, their ideas of how we can together all drop out of diet culture. So thank you for taking the time today to listen. I hope you enjoyed listening to Diet Culture Dropout. If you like today's podcast, I would love for you to leave a review, share the episode with a friend, or subscribe. The more we can collectively break down diet culture, the closer we get to food peace and celebrating all bodies. Thanks for being here.